You're listening to the Rogers Waterfowl Podcast. This is A.A. Ron Jones. Chandler Smith here. Let's talk some waterfowl. Anybody need coffee, water? Good. Good. Got coffee, got water. Need ducks to geese to shoot? Hey, hey, hey. We do need that. Hey. Go sit, guy. Come on. He's just so excited. Sit. His first podcast. He's stage. Yeah, it's, he's yeah. he's nervous. That's his first podcast. It's okay. Just be natural, bud. Just confidence is key. You're strong. You're beautiful. You're powerful. Okay. You're itching. Positive positive vibes That's into it. the dog. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're in the hotel lobby of the or not lobby conference room of the Hampton Inn, trying to do a podcast here after the Goose Weekend, and we're with several guys from Hickton. And so we've got Bo Brooks and we've got Brooke Richard with us. And we're all kind of tired. Yeah. Yesterday was a long day. It's been a long weekend. I'm, I'm definitely about um, three Pantones darker than I was when I got here on Thursday afternoon. You got, are. Got a little sun. Yes. And I can tell you were wearing sunglasses. I was definitely wearing sunglasses. <laughs> we call those raccoon eyes. Yeah. Uh, I've got, I guess, before I show up for next weekend, I should probably... Uh, it's like hang out outside for at least an hour and without mm-hmm. a shirt on and without glasses to avoid the um, prolific farmer's tan and raccoon eyes. You know, maybe I'll look like a normal human being by next weekend. <laughs> I have that problem as well. If not, no big deal. I'll just wear the same short sleeve shirt and same glasses and no one will know. That's exactly right. That's good. So today's topic isn't anything in particular, really. We're just going to kind of, I'm just kind of a BS-ish about anything really but we're great at that so that's perfect yeah i was gonna say every time i walked by you guys yesterday i would be in the store headed to the store for something and then i would get sidetracked and talk <laughs> we like to talk yes and especially with bo brooks because he's i guess he likes to hunt turkey it, man i i uh i i've been known to known to hit the spring woods a little bit <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> So I, I know waterfowl is our main focus here, but just hunting in general, of course. And um, if somebody asked me, how would you describe Bo Brooks? I would, I would say if, if it moves, he'll hunt it. And if it makes a sound, he'll try and call it. There's no trying. He will call it. It's yeah. <laughs> is, is that pretty accurate, would you say? Hey, man, uh, you know, I've, since I was a little kid, uh, I've always been intrigued with calling animals and seeing them react and and where I grew up and how I grew up, I got a, a lot of opportunities to go listen to a lot of different animals and call them. So, you know. Sorry for interrupting, but I can better answer this question for Bo. <laughs> the question was, you know, if you can if it make a sound, can you do it? Hunting in general. You're talking to somebody who rode in a vehicle for eight hours driving from eastern Oregon to western Oregon. After a successful week of turkey hunting, I went out there and hunted with Bo, and he blew his diaphragm call and perfected the sound of a quail in a diaphragm call and that's what we did the whole drive there from the time we started until the time we got there couldn't make the sound and we got there and uh now it's a quail it's yes he will make the sound and he will do it and he when he hears it he wants to do it it's done and then he goes hunt him and he's very successful sometimes it doesn't even matter if you can use it in a hunting situation i still want to learn how to do it yes (laughs) you know it's uh it's it's uh it's pretty cool you know but yeah, I know Brooke. Uh, Brooke and I have the chance to live together for like half the year, and he he is he's probably, he's gotten pretty sick and tired of it. <laughs> Listen to a lot of different <laughs> animal sounds. Well, my girlfriend beats me up if Bo makes a lot of noises, so I'm just tired of getting beat up. Uh, no. <laughs> no, it's not terrible. 
The yeah. water, the waterfowl stuff, I, I can deal with. It's the, it's like the things that I don't really relate to as a um, a native South Louisianian. It's yeah. like the elk and then turkeys. Took me a while to get used to. See, I'd be all over like, the elk too. Like, like the, the crow, the quail. And it's like, and then you mix in sandhill crane, starling. Uh, you know, you just it just keeps coming. Coyote. It, I mean, there's you P- just you know pigeons. Yeah, mm-hmm. pigeants. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do what, it, do what about pigeon. a rooster pheasant? Do you have that one down? I haven't. Ooh. I haven't got to. I haven't got to try it yet. You know, got to leave. Got to leave a little bit of room to grow. Okay. Give Absolutely. me something. Yeah, in in years to come. Looks like we have something to do on this six-hour drive today. Now, I'm thanks, Aaron. That, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, rooster man. pheasant. Okay, that's it. Well, I mean, yesterday you pulled out the spec call and you had a good hen turkey going. Oh, it. I. You know, I've never done it with a with a spec call. I do it with a goose call. And, Man, that's a pretty little Yelp has got on that thing. Mm-hmm. It's definitely going in the turkey woods with me next year. The spec call. <laughs> the spec call. Yes. <laughs> that would be my, my only hope of becoming a successful turkey caller is if you could call them in with some variation of a spec call. So there's hope for me. It's yes. good. Life's good. And I've never known you to not have some form of call in your pocket, around your neck, in a bag with you. No, yeah, that's a, that's honestly, that's a growing up. In, you, if you asked any of my childhood friends who used to carpool with, oh, my gosh, they're like, one of them commented on one of my Facebook posts the other day. He goes, says, all those years of listening to you in the car finally paid off, you know. <laughs> yes. So for people that also maybe not know you very well, that you just did pretty well in the World Elk Calling Championships, correct? Yeah, no, I, uh, it's a head-to-head style calling competition. And um, I called through uh, quite a few different rounds, pretty intense, made it to the final round and called against Corey Jacobson. And I... And we, uh, I ended up second, which, and he's an amazing caller. So, I, if there's anyone I'd love to call against and and lose to and make me a better caller, it's definitely Corey. Well, I mean, and he's kind of known as an elk nut guru, whatever. I mean, he's got yeah. what the elk 101. He does a lot of stuff with what Randy Newberg, and I mean yeah. that that's his thing. So, yeah. for someone that isn't, you know, Mister Elk himself to take second, I mean, that's the guy. If you take second to, it's yeah. Yeah, that is that's pretty cool. And so, where did you grow up? You grew up out west, right? Yeah, in uh, I live in a small town on the outskirts of Vancouver, Washington. It's about on the highway. It's 16 miles north of Portland, Oregon. And growing up there, um, I didn't really do a lot of my hunting there on the west side. I always left and went other places. I didn't. I didn't have turkeys around me. The closest turkey I have to me is two hours. You know exceptions of some that are in the mountains that apparently exist i've never seen them <laughs> but no it's uh the, as far as duck hunting goes i could i could always hunt in my backyard and around in the surrounding areas but if Lucky. i wanted to go hunt elk and stuff i had i usually got away mm-hmm. yeah no i know that there's a lot of guys we have a pretty big following out in oregon and washington there's a lot of good waterfowl hunting out there i've personally never hunted out there um, but what do you guys get into most out there you know, it really is. It's amazing. You know, the Oregon and Washington and Idaho, the the change in climate. I mean, my side is like a, it's kind of a, a temperate rainforest. It's like evergreens and there's lots of sheet water and the Columbia River. Well, then you just hop another hour east or hour and a half east, and it turns into, it turns into oak trees and then it goes into desert, back into mountains. I mean, it's. All in the same state. Just in the same state, yeah. I'll, I can be hunting on a sheet water pond in the rain, 
and hop over the hill, and I'll be hunting in cliffs and rocks and a in a pond for mallards. You know, so it's man, it really is crazy how much. Uh, I mean, it's sea ducks to pintails to mallards to. I mean, we got it all. Did you guys get a lot of specks out there? You know. Um, no, no, nope, he does not. <laughs> yeah, he does not. Okay, yep. Brooklyn, we go on. Uh, <laughs> no, no, they're they're, at, they're at out times, there for sure. At times, you know, it's uh, we have a special late hunt, and that has a lot of specks. It's but it's in southern Oregon. You know, up where I grew up, we never had specks. If you saw a speck, like it, was, everyone targeted him, and poor thing, he never had a chance because <laughs> someone's gonna get him. But uh, you know. I, I went on my first real spec hunt, honestly, two years ago. Went down there and tried it for real. Go down there and I'm I'm in love with it. Spec spec hunting is spec hunting is fun, man. And so, that's as you say that, Brooke gets a nice little smile on his face. If I've you know, yeah, there's hope. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean that 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 was that was a cool thing when when Bo and I met. You know, I, I met Bo at what NWTF three four years ago and just came up and blew some goose calls and nice guy. And then we kept in touch, and, and shortly thereafter, you know, we got involved with the turkey calls, the power calls, and Bo was at the top of the list for who we wanted involved with that, and it worked out, and Bo came in, and he's like, man, there's some specs around me. I'm going to hunt them, and he went out and hunted them, and I'm like, Bo, get your spec call, learn a spec call, you're going to kill more of them. And then he, you know, he lived with me for a few months while he was up at the office in Paducah working, and he turn the corner on spec call and he really got serious about it and won a contest at max prairie wings i mean he was he's no joke i was gonna say yeah i you won a spec contest yeah, yeah that's what i thought i had heard yeah, yeah no i i told brooke i said brooke i said i want to i want to do this and i want to do it right we got four weeks and i want to go win a competition yeah. and so and it's a lot like turkey calling too and by that i mean if you become a better caller you will kill more yeah of ab- that absolutely amp, yeah you know yeah it and uh as far as yeah, that's I get more of a reaction out of a speck than almost any other waterfowl out there. You know, you hit you hit a speck, and they just on a dime almost every not every time, but mm-hmm. they always give you something where Canada geese kind of just turn. You know, they kind of just go out and turn on you, or and mallards mallards will do it. But yeah. uh, turkeys, you know, turkeys when I become a better caller, yeah. when I, I had actually seen, you know. I've been able to actually see a difference. You know, turkeys come in a lot quicker. It it it, it eliminates that. It's a hunter aspect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. And so, there's always the other side of it, the hunting side of it, and everything. But just eliminates a bunch of the mm-hmm. the st- the stuff to get you there at the end zone. You mm-hmm. know what I mean. It's just funny whenever you know whenever Bo first came and spent some time at Higdon and he started learning how to blow a spec call. You know, very quickly, a month or two, he went from a 2 out of 10 to an 8 out of 10, you mm-hmm. know, or whatever that means. Just got a whole lot better. And he went back home and went spec hunting. He's like, Brooke, they don't even have a chance anymore. It's like, this is this is so awesome. He's like, I should learn how to blow a spec call a long time ago. It's like, it, you can almost do no wrong whenever you're in a place like where Bo Hunt's out there with a lot of specs and you can proficiently blow a spec call. Sure. It's, uh, it's like, man, yep, I'm glad I learned how to blow one because – this is fun. There's a lot of times that I before would try and call at them, and they just fly over, and they're not looking at me or anything. And then this year, every f- spec I saw, I break, at least break them up. They'd all break up, or they'd mm-hmm. all just start doing crazy stuff. I'm like, called Brooke. I said, man, this is the real deal. I said, this is, this is, this is a game changer. The legit, yeah. 
it's like turkey calling for me. Bo's like, Brooke, you want to learn how to kill more turkeys whenever I'm not with you? Learn how to call. And we spent 30 minutes on my couch one night, and I was like, Bo, here's the deal. I just don't have it in me. I'm just got to turkey hunt with you for the rest of my life. So that's just what it is. I need to spend 30 minutes on sitting down because there's a few things like I can't perfect that, that purr mm-hmm. really, really well the proper way. That's, that, that one's tough. Yep. I can do it, but it's not the proper way you're supposed to do it. So yep. there's a few things I could I could work on. And I've got just too many bad habits in the way from duck calling and speck calling. Just the way I shape notes mm-hmm. in waterfowl calling. When I put a diaphragm call in my mouth, it's well, it does it does it to me with duck calling too. Yeah, you know, it's I blow with duck call with so much forward pressure, and Brooks like stop that. <laughs> I'm like, man, I said I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I, it just it's a real struggle for me. It's it's a lot easier to hop on a plane and hunt with Bo. So yeah. <laughs> I tend to have a lot higher success rate when that works out anyway. But. Sure. Speaking about success rate, how many turkeys fell victim to Bo Brooks this year? Um, we had uh, 51 I was involved with total. I killed, I believe, 13 and um, had 11 misses. So it was a it was a good year. Called in a lot of turkeys too that stayed out a little bit. You know, just had the time of my life running around doing what I love. All over the country, right? Yeah, you yeah. got your Royal Slam this year. Yeah, now I finished my Royal Slam. Single season. Single season Royal Slam, and uh, man, I just I love it. it. And you know, I love turkey hunting, and people know me that I love to turkey hunt. I have the same passion for waterfowl hunting and elk hunting and all of mm-hmm. it. It's just just a time of year, just whatever. Exactly. You know. Again, if it moves, you'll you'll yeah. chase it. Yeah, but exactly. That's what we, I, we laugh about it. It's a, you know, we got involved with Bo and wanted to get into making turkey calls, and Bo just was a great young man and respectable, and he came, he made a great product first and foremost, and everything else fell in place. We're like, man, you know, we really don't know this Bo guy, but he seems like a great guy. We can trust him. And then he goes turkey hunting for a season. He's like, oh yeah, I've hunted with, you know loophole executives and the Drury's and you know all these other people and oh we killed 51 turkeys it's like we made a good decision I'm glad that worked out you know, <laughs> yeah. man Bo well I know we didn't doubt Bo but who else would we have gotten that was a better fit and you know is as passionate about it and as successful and has great relationships you know he's he's a killer absolutely well I know that the the signature diaphragm call that you made with power calls mm-hmm. he it, it brought in a turkey this year that fell victim to the the bow signature call so i mean there's one that went down we discussed that yesterday but um yeah it was him and his buddy and they came under a barbed wire fence through some cedars and then they saw the decoy and after hearing that they just that bowl full of jelly oh yeah they did the the, the, the velociraptor run yes (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly what it is yeah and it's funny because like i i think we met back in january and it's one of those things that we start talking about turkey hunting. And turkey hunters are a little weird in the sense that it's a niche within the hunting mm-hmm. market. But you start talking about turkey hunting and a fellow turkey junkie or turkey nut, like instantly you get a little kid grin on your face and oh, it's yeah. all turkey hunting. Did you say turkey? I'm like that with specs. I'm like, you see them from across the room, like the memes, like when you look and start talking to somebody about hunting. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. just become like, best friends, that yeah. type of yep. thing. Yep. That's yep. what it is. It's perfect. Yeah, I know. Exactly. That, that's what's cool too is that we – we also could cross over through to waterfowl hunting mm-hmm. and whitetail hunting and stuff. And but turkeys, turkeys bring us together. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and another side of that too, we were we were sitting there at the pool yesterday, and it got a little slow right there. The contest was ending, and mm-hmm. Bo was like, "Man, Rogers has an elk section, elk call section." And you know, he gets he gets a bugle and he starts elk calling, and 
It's like you wouldn't think in the middle of Liberty, Missouri, there's a whole lot of elk hunters around, parking lots full of cars. He starts elk calling, and here are the elk hunters come just funneling through. Just like, okay, Bo just made 15 new friends. There exactly. we go. <laughs> well, I mean, being in, in the Kansas City area, we're cra- kind of right on the edge of, you know, people that are heading out west or guys that are right there, you know, from the east. And mm-hmm. Missouri reestablished some elk um, just a couple years ago, not necessarily a huntable population yet. The Missouri Department of Conservation has, has discussed that. Um, it's down in the, the Ozark Mountains, basically, um, just north of Arkansas. But we did reestablish some. But, I mean, you got to think that Kentucky's got a huge uh, elk population now, and they're trying to get some reestablished there in the Appalachians. So, you know, it's not necessarily just a Western man's game anymore. They're starting to come this direction again, which is awesome. Yeah. Because, I mean, elk are just, they're awesome. You know, honestly, I drive down the road in Kentucky, and I'm like, man, why aren't there elk here? You know, they, they would do great. I mean, the farmers wouldn't like them. No, sure. Because they'll just they'll destroy all the fields there. But you know, oh my man, they would they would just thrive here. But you know, I'm just jacked that it's gonna you know that more people are gonna be able to get into it and stuff, and gives people out here a little bit of hope when you can put in for a Tennessee elk mm-hmm. tag or a Kentucky elk tag or something like that. You know, it's gonna Arkansas. be Arkansas. Arkansas. It's gonna be a yeah. it's gonna be a good deal for everyone. So. Yeah, and and it's funny. I actually put in for a Kansas elk tag this year, and people don't know that Kansas really has huntable elk, but um, they do. You, you have to put in for it. It's a once-in-a-lifetime tag because it's on one of the, the huge military bases, but um, I put in for that. They've got cows. They've got elk, and you can buy just an over-the-counter elk tag as well if you happen to see one, but, I mean, odds are. You know, you know a friend of mine down in uh, Joplin, down in, he's, he's seen a— seen a five-point bull elk on his trail camera oh yeah they make it they make it out and they they explore but i mean obviously i didn't draw this year super unfortunate but yeah i mean yeah i moved and it's residents only in kansas i put in for antelope too um i didn't draw that that for rifle archery you can do over the counter but um i tell people i literally moved across the river just for the hunting that's literally because you can. There's antelope in Kansas. There's mule deer. There's whitetail. There's elk. western western big game hunting. Exactly right. And all I did was move 20 minutes away to the other side of the river. And instead of three honkers like in Missouri, you can shoot six honkers. How can you go wrong there? Mm. Late hey. January duck hunting. That sounds that sounds great. Both <laughs> friendship has brought a lot of great things in my life. One of them being a plethora of elk meat in my box freezer. And uh, if anyone in a state that doesn't realize they have elk finds out and ever tastes elk, oh my! I don't think there'll be a lot of over-the-counter tags until there's a big sustainable population. Because if I had to go shoot something with hooves, that's what it would be. Because they're they tasty. Wait, well, isn't that what you cooked when we were down at Higdon Farms? Wasn't yeah. it like some elk tenderloins or something, medium yeah. rare, and yeah. they just melted like butter in your mouth? And... Yeah, elk's good. I, I I know one thing. Being from South Louisiana, if they put elk in South Louisiana as much as my family and my people like to cook and eat good things. They wouldn't last long. They'd, they'd definitely have an X on their back for dang sure because elks, if it's anything like turkey hunting like Bo tells me it is, I've never been elk hunting, and they taste that good, they'll be, uh, they'll be on the hit list for me, convert me into an elk hunter. Oh, absolutely, and I've, I've just started getting into elk hunting the last couple of years, and oh, my. You know, you know the thing is, is it's really, um, for someone over here, there are so many opportunities just Go west, you know, hop in your truck, drive. It may be a long drive, but Colorado and Wyoming, mm-hmm. there's so many over-the-counter public land opportunities to go go hunt elk. I mean, and of course there's a learning curve, and it's it's a lot different than a whitetail hunt. But, man, they, 
it's it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. It's it's it'll uh this I think that if if everyone got a chance to go this here a bull elk that from back here would just open up a whole new world. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, I think it's uh well they're just giant, giant turkeys. So the only one I've ever seen in the wild is was from a ski lift in Breckenridge. You know, just snowboarding. I'm like, oh, an elk. There we go. I'm like, and you've seen me. Sh- I've shot Bo's bow a few times in my backyard, and probably owe him a few, a uh, few hundred dollars worth of arrows. But it's probably the most stereotypical thing ever. But I think I could hit an elk with a bow. Hey, your 30, someone, 30 yard pin. Hey, man, hit hit that 30 yard pin. That's right. I just have to elk hunt with you, and then I'll be okay. I actually brought my recurve with me today. I'm gonna go shoot it after we get done with some podcasts. So. Oh, that'll be fun. Yes. I've been shooting the compound, but I thought oh, I'm gonna break out the recurve. I want to shoot it. Purist. You know, you know uh, shooting a shooting a recurve doesn't hurt your compound stuff either. I think no. it, it it makes you a lot better, a lot better shot with a with a compound. Absolutely. So let's see. We kind of digressed from waterfowl, which is okay. This is just mm-hmm. a podcast for everything. So I was gonna say, how did you actually get Bo involved with Higdon? But you answered that earlier. It was yeah. at the NWTF. And yeah, he. Uh, Bo being from the West Coast, um, I guess he had heard rumor that Kelly Powers was coming out with, you know, waterfowl calls. And, you know, I'm sitting there working the booth at NWTF, and, it's, I mean, it's a big show, and that was our unveiling of the calls. And mm-hmm. here comes Bo. I'd never met him, didn't know who he was. He came running around, big grin on his face, and wanted to blow all of them. I'm like, man, you're pretty dang good. And he's like, I really want one. And I was like, well, here, I'll, I'll do something for you. I was like, I want you to have one. Here, I'm going to give you a carbon fiber goose call. All I ask is that if you really want to blow it in contest, blow it. And you don't owe me a dime. If you don't blow it, just mail it back to me. And uh, he started blowing it, and we kept in touch. I gave him my number, and like, oh, you're a turkey hunter? Well, okay. Well, we're kind of getting into that. Man, I, I build turkey calls. You know, maybe I can help you guys out. And the rest is history. It's been, you know, two or three years now, and it's going good. There's Bo. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the family. <laughs> there's Yeah, there's Bo. Yeah. So what does uh, – let's talk about power calls a little bit. What's sure. What's new with power calls this year? So this year with power calls, we've got uh, the ignition. It's a cut down call. Uh, been working on for a while. Those took off, didn't they? Cut down style calls, yeah. and they just um, the, the whole cut down, you know, craze is is incredible that people haven't caught on to it sooner. You know, I've, being from South Louisiana, you know, there's a cut down culture there as well. But running around guiding in Arkansas and, and hunting in the woods a good bit, um, I was exposed to it at an early age and saw the power of it and saw how well it worked. So of course, I you know had them and grew to love them. Um, there's definitely a time and place for them, and that time and place is a lot more common than a lot of people think. Um, what a cutdown call is really good at, and what I think draws a lot of consumers to a cutdown call, is the way that call is designed by nature. A cutdown call is that tone board's cut down, the reed's pitched way up, so you, it's a lot easier to make bigger, bolder duck sounds. They're uh, abrasive, if you will. They're barky, and uh, you know, for the average guy who may not be a great caller, that's pretty tough to do in a you know little Louisiana style double read call and that may be with the sound thereafter. So I think a lot of people um, that aren't proficient waterfowl callers see that as a great way to have more tricks in their bag, have more ducks hanging from their lanyard and um, and that's what they're great at. You know, and I was talking to a guy in the parking lot yesterday. He asked, we were, he was kind of playing devil's advocate about it and I said, you know, how many times have you been running traffic on ducks, whether it's in the timber or in a field anywhere, really a river, and the ducks aren't coming to where you are per se and you go to break those ducks and you're calling at them, what, what do you do? And it's, you know, it's a 10-note hail call that you hear in a J-frame call, whack, 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 you know, and that works sometimes, a lot of times. But the problem is, is when you're trying to do that, what happens in a J-frame call is you have to go up an octave. So you're getting a little bit higher pitch to get louder, to attract ducks from further away. And what a cut-down call does really good at is because it's geared to be a lower, meatier duck, 
you can break ducks at the same distance with realistic bolder duck sounds like fees. They're just as loud, but they don't go up an octave. So that's the advantage of a cut down call truly is it's a different sound. I think that's why they work so well, but they're, they sound like ducks that are close from further away. It's mm-hmm. a more realistic duck sound when you're trying to be really loud. Um, and by God, they work. Bo was, <laughs> Bo was a uh, skeptic at first. Like, I'm from, I've never seen these. There's no way. No, I, I heard him blowing it in the showroom. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing, man? I said, man, you're just running all over the place, blowing this backwards duck call. And I'm, I, I didn't know what to think about it. And we got out there. We were in the trees. You know, earlier, I've never really hunted flooded timber, and this is a few hunts in. And he starts blowing on that duck call. There's some ducks way up there, and I've been calling at them all day, and they won't break. And Brooks, I watch this. He goes, back, 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 back. They just, all the way down. And I looked at him, and I just, I'm I'll, like, I'll have it. I, 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 I'll take the lot. Yeah. Exactly. So I started blowing one. I took it back to the West Coast. You I'm like, there's so many. It's, it's, I, I stepped away about 200 yards and heard him blowing it in the woods. I'm like, that is a duck. I'm like, that sounds so good. And I'm like, I need to try this out where I'm from because there's a lot of times I have birds flying over and I'm calling at them. We'll break them, but, you know, it doesn't take as much. It doesn't take as much to that cut down call. So I got out there and just, it was a real windy day and the birds are flying up there and just with that with that cut down call and i was bringing birds down that i had had a hard time before and and it, and with this ignition i'm able to get quiet with it and blow it a little bit like a j-frame style call too when they're coming in and man i've fallen in love with it i i, I use it every single day no matter where i'm at you know i think that's what a lot of people don't realize and it, it took me a while you know where i was exposed to it uh, being a very versatile call and, and not so much of that stereotypical I've got to stand next to a tree, kick a leg, blow my cut down thing is, you know, I was hunting in Arkansas and I was in southeast Arkansas and, and a lot of times we would hunt in the woods and a lot of times we'd hunt in flooded rice fields and, you know, you get tired of switching calls back and forth on your lanyard because you know I've got, you know, four spec calls on my lanyard and one duck call because mm-hmm. they get priority. <laughs> no, but, but you start blowing them in open fields and even flooded corn complexes and marshes in south Louisiana and you realize, I mean, ducks don't want to hear different things because they're flying over a different form of agriculture they work everywhere and i mean people are seeing that and they're hunting rivers with them they're hunting woods with them of course they're hunting fields with them and they're 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 a different sound that is advantageous if the birds want to hear meteor ducks Mm -hmm. it's the go-to i mean i've got one on my lanyard all the time now for the last couple years and and it's a it's a tool i wouldn't leave the house with because no matter where i'm hunting i know if i can't break ducks with my j-frame call like the charge or the jolt or the impulse I've got I've got that backup plan sitting there, and I'm gonna give it to them. And I, I hit them, and a lot of times it works. It's sure. Like, yep. N- anymore, we don't use it as a backup plan. Yeah. That's our A game. We yeah. throw it at them every time. I was gonna say, isn't that what you were using when we were down in January? Yeah, it was. So we had you, and you uh you got to hunt with with the first year of running the ignition. We've been working on it for a while, and they they didn't look they didn't look like they did last year. But last year we had you know a few 3D printed production samples, and that's me, Kyle, Bo, a few others at the office. That's what we ran, and 
kill a bunch of ducks with them. And that's one thing we had talked about the other day. I asked you the question. I said, you know, a, a cut down is typically, you, you know, associated more with the south, more mm-hmm. with, you know, flooded timber, the big yeah. woods or something. And I know you travel quite a bit to waterfowl hunt. And mm-hmm. I mean, I know you're from the west coast. And I, I said, you know, hey, have you noticed a cut down working better down south, up north, east, west, you know, early in the year, later in the year? And you said, man, I blow it whenever. And it just. Yeah, I've blown them all over. I mean, it, it works. And the best thing about it is, you know, my style of calling is is maybe a little bit different or not the way other people like to call and and i'll preface that with this disclosure of hunt where the birds want to be and you don't have to call as much sure but you know in reality that's not really most people's situation especially myself and i end up in situations where you've got to work for them a little bit and um a cut down call fits my style because i'm very aggressive i'm telling the ducks what to do i'm not asking them i'm calling when i think they want to hear it and i'm telling them to come to me it's not please come here it's get here now you're missing out an opportunity and when you call that way and you call real hard on the corners and you call them to the ground and you're pulling them in like lasso a cut down call is great because it's super punctual it's bold um it can get really loud and you can really demand those ducks what to do and they hear it there's there's no question about it when you blow it and you're trying to get their attention with a cut down call the ignition especially you hit them with a ducky sounding five note lick just they're going to bend that head back over their wing as long as they're not terrified of it, you know. And a lot of times they, they aren't. They love it. They're like, I knew there was a duck there when I flew over it. Now I've heard it. It's got my attention, and there you go. You're in the game. So it's a it's a great call from Saskatchewan. I blew it here last year. I came up in February, and, of course, we were shooting Canada geese and, and specs, but there was a bunch of ducks around. We were sitting on the porch of the barbecue joint we were at, and there was just ducks flying around, and, um Todd Copley and I of all people he, he was like man I want to learn how to blow that thing and we're messing around and they're just high as can be and he hit it and it just turned on a dime and we're in the middle of a sod farm it's like they work everywhere it's not it's not just stand by a tree and blow one you can use them anywhere you want to it's it's a it's a great style of calling that I think all serious duck hunters should dabble in at least and and be be guilty until proven innocent on that one because trust me it, it it works and put one on your lanyard Go call at them, and you're going to see some stuff you probably hadn't seen in a long time. You know, like like what a, when we're calling at ducks, you know, these birds come down, and where I would be hitting them with a <laughs> on a normal duck call, I just I'm just feeding at them. That's dang near. It's it's just so it's loud and punctual. It's just and they just love it. I I use it dang near as much as a hail call when I'm trying to work them, and it's it it just. I can't explain why I think it works so well, but it's it's something that I found last year. I loved using it so much, just yeah. feeding at them with that cut-down call. Is- I think a big part of it, too, is is uh, you know how many people are out there blowing a, a regular duck call, and regular duck calls are great. You mm-hmm. know, they, They're not saying a cut-down is better than any other call. It's just another tool to have, just like a different style of diaphragm call. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, a, it's a different tool, but there's the majority of the population, just like Bo said, when, when they want to break a duck, they're doing a certain cadence. When they... When a greeted duck, they're doing a certain cadence, you know, and a cut-down call, you can do different sounds because you can be just as loud. So I think there's a major factor there of they hadn't really been called at like that yet. Mm-hmm. So you're giving them something, whether they're call shy or they've been called at and they're educated, do something different, get a different result. And if those birds don't want to come when you're when you're doing the <laughs> hit them with the feed, and like, wow, I didn't been called out like that that doesn't seem like a duck hunter's down there i think there's a big part of that too it's just a different sound mm-hmm. and a different in the same situation different sound 
different result for birds that may not have heard it yet. And I think that's a big part of it. It's just just different. Different's good, especially with stale ducks. We don't get weather like we like we used to, it seems like. So we're on no. the same dang ducks over and over again. And speaking about weather, this year I think it's going to be really interesting because, I mean, where you guys were, you were underwater most all spring. Mm-hmm. And up here in the river bottoms, we just got out from underwater. But up north, they're still underwater. So, And you said, what, driving all the way up, it was... That's, the river bottoms look pretty thin as far as food for birds. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting one, you know. And, and I've had several conversations with folks from, you know, biologists over at, at DU, you know, just several people. And the moral of the story, and, and this is just my opinion. I'm no better than anybody who has an opinion, of course. But it's, it's going to take more than than one quote unquote bad year to really mm-hmm. change things. I think the lack of food in, in this particular area that we're sitting in right now, you know, Missouri area. Um, we'll have an impact on them, but there's so much natural vegetation. There is. Um, one year of not having a lot of, of corn and a lot of, you know, duck farming, um, the ducks are still going to come. But the, the the main factor is if we don't get the weather, they're not coming anyway. And we've all experienced that. So oh, yeah. let's get the weather first. And then if we get the weather and the birds push through, uh, hopefully a little bit earlier than last year, we'll see where they want to be. And I, I'd be willing to bet as long as there's water, they'll find a place to go anywhere. Well, and that's the thing. We just hope that it's not feast or famine. There's been years where... You know, it's first of November rolls around and it's still 70 degrees and then mm-hmm. mid-November rolls around and everything locks up. And yeah. you're like, well, that's great. And then, like you said, polar opposite, there's been years where we don't get ice until, you know, the last week of December. And you're like, yeah. you know, nothing gets yeah. cold. and You're just waiting for them to come. Yeah. It's it's a tough deal. And, you know, I don't think there's so many variables. And, and I had a great conversation uh, with a gentleman the other day. And, and it's duck hunting's getting harder. There's There's more ducks are around than, than really ever in the big scheme of things. So it's it's not that there's less ducks. It's not that there's less habitat. You know, there's there's a lot of ducks. There's a lot more areas for them to go now because of modern farming practices. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. More habitat and ducks can thrive on that. That's great. Mm-hmm. But I think the bigger factor there is is weather, of course. You know, these warmer weather patterns we've been having, they, they just – there's not good for people who are south of that front line. You know, we watched, you know, we knew there was a million plus mallards sitting somewhere between Nebraska and, and Kansas City, Missouri last mm-hmm. year. And they were there for an extended period of time. And, and those are our birds that come down the Mississippi River and get to us over in Kentucky. So weather is a big part of it. And the other side of it's pressure. You know, birds that are hung up in areas that aren't pressured, they don't have to leave if there's plenty of food and plenty of warm weather, why would they leave? Mm-hmm. You know, and if they do get weather, They'll, they'll leave, and there's there's more areas, but they're, they're, the pressure and the weather are the two biggest contributing factors. I tell everybody, you know, no matter where you are, if you had if you had 10,000 acres of, of duck farm and it wasn't frozen, you had all the food in the world, and you had to say, hey, where do I want to go hunt? I can tell you the ducks are going to be where you haven't hunted. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's where they want to be, and when we have this high water, there's plenty of area for them to go. There's natural vegetation in the river bottoms. People are hunting them more than ever because – Pickens are slim because they're not they're not migrating as as proficiently because of warmer weather patterns. They're they're backs against the wall. You know, go mm-hmm. go where the ducks want to be. Sticking and moving is the name of the game with a year like last year. There's plenty of water, plenty of food, and there's plenty of ducks. You just gotta find them. Sure. And when you're hunting them every day, and man, it's just we killed 1,200 last season. This year we only killed 300. Well, it's because you only had 600 migrate down to where you're hunting, and then you hunted them every day. And you know that's. That's, that's why it's tough, but we'll get the weather first. There's plenty of natural food around. If we have 10 years like I think we're going to have this year, it may be a problem, but one year, uh, I'm pretty optimistic that if we get the weather we need, they're going to come and they'll do, they'll do the dance. Well, yeah, we, I mean, even on the West Coast, there was a, 
there wasn't the weather like usual. I found I was sticking to one area killing birds last year for the most part on public land, you know, compared to all my private stuff that I'd normally hunt. Just wasn't getting the birds. But growing up, we see it, you know. Everyone's like, oh, it's, there's so many things wrong, all those different things. Next year we have the year that it's snowing in the first week of November, and wow, look at all the birds are here, you know. It's 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 spontaneous combustion, you know. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I, you know, I knew it. This year's gonna be great, but, you know. And 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 the problem I have is a lot of people get angry with different things, you know, whether it's, you know, f- flooded agriculture fields and this heated pond thing, and you know, these conservation groups. They're blaming everybody for things. And and if you take a step back and you're transparent and open-minded about it, and you think, what's best for a duck? Okay, it's born in in Canada, prairie pothole region. Okay, some weather comes and it has to leave, whether they've eaten the food out or it's just too cold and they've got to go south and they end up in the Dakotas and they're there for a couple months and season opens, they get shot, some of those leave, fly south, the rest of them stay, it gets cold, they push further south and they're in an area like Kansas City, Missouri. Okay, and all of a sudden it gets warm and they bump back up to South Dakota mm-hmm. and their season closes and there's still plenty of food and it's warm. Why the heck would they go back south? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it just... it blows my mind it's like well where are the ducks at right now probably where they're not getting shot they can eat even even when swim. they're here mm-hmm. even yeah. when they're here i mean yeah, they're on the refuges and then they go out mm-hmm. to other places so well, right. and that's one thing i've noticed especially we hunt a lot of a lot of the guys at rogers we hunt a lot of public ground and the reservoirs and stuff like that and being around this kansas city area there's a lot of people who live on the outskirts of the city who have one or two acre lots with you know a little half acre septic pond or a little half acre pond out back for the kids to fish on Mm -hmm. and until it gets cold and those things lock up guess what there's no hunting pressure and you know they're three miles away from the reservoir they've got a cornfield you know a Mm -hmm. half mile away and there's hundreds of ponds around these neighborhoods little septic ponds or whatever that they can just go sit on and nothing happens they've got a you know, a nice green yard and mm-hmm. a septic pond. And until those freeze up, they, they don't hang out on a lot of the, the conservation ground or the big reservoirs. Sure. So exactly, if they're not getting hunting pressure, sitting in somebody's backyard on a little pond, that's where they're at. That's where they're roosting. That's where yeah. they're hanging out until it's time to eat, and then they go back. Yeah, that, and that's just my opinion on it. You know, I'm not a biologist. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a duck hunter. But, you know, I've, I've talked to uh, a certain set of individuals, and I won't name them, and, and they've got a very prestigious place that's pretty close to where we are right now. And um, you know, they'll winter a million mallard ducks and at, they'll peak at a million mallard ducks on, on their property. And what shocked me when I first heard it, but it really isn't that crazy, is the birds that are there prefer natural vegetation over the heated corn complexes that everybody tends to think is altering the migration. And the natural vegetation, a duck, duck's not really genetically made to eat corn. It eats it when it, because it can. It's like popcorn, mm-hmm. you know. I, heck, I love popcorn. It's my favorite food. And if I'm hungry and it's there and no one's shooting at me, I'm going to go eat corn. But, you know, this area is just so rich in habitat for ducks. They're going to go to that natural vegetation, especially if they're getting shot at whenever there's a human factor involved across the river. You know, and, that, and that's just the reality of it is it's pressure. Birds aren't looking for pressure, but when there's pressure put, th- put on them, they're going to move. You know, they're, they're pretty resilient animals, and Mexico isn't that far away. I mean, if it gets cold and everybody's shooting in between here and Mexico, I'll probably go to Mexico. And and it's just, for me as a hunter, and I'm getting a little older, and it's not all about killing them and everything. You know, heck, I love the fact that ducks win some seasons. It keeps you going. I don't mm-hmm. plan on just duck hunting next year and hoping I get the best score out of everybody. It's, how can I do this for the next 60 years and mm-hmm. have my kids do it? I mean, the weather's warmer. 
the worst thing that could happen is ducks would do exactly what they did whenever it used to get really cold and there wasn't more agriculture and they were more concentrated in these popular hunting areas like Stuttgart, Arkansas and, you know, in Gaydon, Louisiana. That, put, that puts the birds in a really tough position and it's very vulnerable and it's not good for their population. You know, not that hunters in general really put a dent in the duck population. More die of natural causes than, than hunters kill anyway, according to studies, but... Um, let the ducks win sometimes. Don't don't get mad about it. Just you know, get ready for next year. Maybe yeah. plan a trip somewhere where ducks are probably more likely to go, or do go a little fi- scouting. Go find them. Yeah, it, I mean, let them win. You know, exactly. It, it's no fun if you win every dang time. Well, no, and I think that's if, if things get you know, you win every time. It gets easy. It gets mm-hmm. mundane. Then you, I, I think you lose interest. I yeah. think that's the the challenge of it is is what keeps you driving forward. And you're just like, okay, I got to figure this out, or I got to do this. Or mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're just competitive in our nature and sure you know whether it's against people or yeah it, like you said ducks yeah. you know we're like okay i gotta win this time we're gonna go out and we're yeah. gonna figure it out and yeah. as duck hunters you know we're always yeah. looking to try and figure out what we can do better throwing decoys or blowing when I, calls when or, i started thinking about it that way and you know heck i'm only 27 and i'm no wiser than the next person i'm not better than anybody but when you stop thinking you know man i've just got to kill them every day or you know i've, I've got to do better or i'm not a good hunter when you start thinking about it's not me versus the ducks. We're doing this in tandem with mm-hmm. the creature we're hunting, and and how does this work? The longevity of it, and how do I, you know, how do I sustain this? How do I stay happy? And, and a lot of a lot of the truth to that is, if you want to stay happy as a duck hunter, don't worry about how many you go kill. Just go and appreciate the good hunts when the hunts are bad. You know, think of the real reason why it was bad, whether it's weather or you know lack of weather or pressure. Yeah, well, you know, we'll let it sit for two days and hunt it again, and we'll be successful. You know. It, being angry about ducks and being angry at ducks isn't isn't the right thing to do as a hunter in my opinion it doesn't doesn't sit well with me as a hunter and it really builds up a lot of frustration and i see it all over the internet and it makes makes hunters battle against each other it makes this illusion of you know you're not a good duck hunter if you're not killing stuff eh, it's just it's just a battle it's yeah. a little take and give it's checks and balances it's mother nature doing her thing and as hunters like everybody that's probably listening to this has access to a uh, shotgun and plane ticket or keys to a vehicle to go find ducks somewhere. And you uh, spend more time com- more time looking for ducks in North America than you do complaining about ducks not being where you want them to go in your backyard. You're probably probably a whole lot better off. Well, and the thing about that too is if you like you said spend time looking for the ducks. It's not like you need four dozen decoys. I've shot ducks over like eight decoys before. I mean, yeah. you get a mm-hmm. get a dozen decoys, maybe some some you know pulsators or some water, mo- just one one motion decoy, and you know a dozen ducks. I mean, you can if you find the right spot, you're gonna get them. Yeah, it's it's just a it, it's it's a shame that you know the hunting isn't as good as it used to be, like people say, but it is. You know that, that's it's out there. You just yeah. gotta go find it. You know, it, of course, you know when it's warmer. Birds may not be going to the places they used to go, and things change. That's that's what makes it fun. It's bobbing mm-hmm. and weaving, and the most versatile hunter will always win. That's the name of the game. Mm-hmm. Put the time in, go find ducks. They're still there. They're still migrating. Just look at the weather and uh, do do a little bit of research and put your eyes on a few places. Get some permission and help a farmer out and get the keys to the gate. That's where the ducks are. Well, go the, find a duck. Even the public. You sure. Know, I mean, that's where I honestly had way better luck on my public places that I hunt. My walk-in areas, put on a backpack, walking in, because those refuges are holding a lot of those birds too, you know. And so I just I had a lot of success just going out there with a jerk rig and a and a uh, because we can't we can't use electronic decoys where I'm from, and so and I just uh, 
and it just I honestly have fun doing it. I love going out there. I love relying on the calling, love scouting the birds on these places. And that's like I said, the birds just where I'm from were not on my private places. And so I got in my truck and I left and I started calling people. I'm like, where are they at? Drive five hours here. We get them there. Okay, well, there's going to be a windy day tomorrow. Okay, I'll drive four hours tonight. I'm going to hop over here, which which I'm a, I'm a nomad in the car. I drive everywhere. But I mean, even for turkeys, I mean, we'll be, okay, we're going to kill a bird here. Tomorrow, we're going to drive tonight. We're going to go kill a turkey here. And honestly, that's uh, always had, how I've had the best. And then trying new places, there's just so many opportunities. And, you know, I've uh, getting to go and hunt with, with Brooke and, in the trees over there in Kentucky. We went out and had so many days this year. We killed four ducks. And you know what? I Getting to sit there and watch a duck come through like a butterfly through the trees, and we killed four of them, I was like, man, that, that, was, that was worth the day. You know, mm-hmm. I could go home and we'll kill 28 mallards in, in, you know, two hours, and then I come back here and watch them come through. It's just and the camaraderie with friends. I think that that's uh, something that we can't lose sight on. And that's one thing you can do, you know, whenever you, whenever you realize, hey, that, that's probably not the best place to go duck hunting, but eh, I think we can go kill a couple of them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to be tough, Bo, but, you know, in that instance, we were hunting, we were hunting the Higdon farm a lot of times when it was really bad, uh, mainly because I wanted my new dog to pick up some birds and I didn't want to be around a lot of hunters and I wanted it to be, you know, me, a couple guys and my dog. And if we just shot one bird, it would have been great. It was just spending time out there hunting for the, the pup and, and working for him, it's a challenge. It's like, you know, if Bo would go turkey hunting and then he'd leave a bird in there that he called at and I had to go follow up behind him, it would be very tough for me, but it'd be more rewarding. Mm-hmm. If I could do that, it'd be like, oh my goodness, you know, I did it. it. Not that the bird would have to be a Boone and Crockett turkey by any means, but it's like, heck, I, I really worked hard for that bird. There's a, there's, a, there's a value to that of just, hey, we know there's birds. We can go hunt. I've got permission an hour south of us. We can go with everybody else. I can leave my dog at home. We can go kill 50 of them right now. Mm-hmm. Or we can just go walk in at the Higdon Farm, sit there and just Yeah, and just hang Brooke out. and I just call, yeah. and, it, and we just have fun calling, yeah. and, you know, we just enjoy it. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. When you look at it that way, and there's a bigger reason is my point to all this, is it's if you want to just go and see a bunch of ducks die, I mean, book a hunt with somebody that has a bunch of ducks and go. If, if you want to be a happy duck hunter, just appreciate everything you get mm-hmm. and, and just just pick your battles wisely. And if, if, if going hunting and not killing your limit is, is not something you want to do and it makes you angry, it's probably not going to work out for you anyway. You're going to be really angry and really mad at everybody, uh, especially when we have these warmer warmer winters yes. like we've been having. <laughs> so I would suggest spend a little bit, little bit less time uh, being angry with everything and, and uh, just let those ducks win for a few years and just enjoy it. I agree. And I'm going to wrap up this, this little segment here and not the whole podcast, just this segment saying that, as hunters, we've got so many things coming against us right now, whether mm-hmm. it be anti-hunters, you know, threats of, you know, selling off public ground. Um, there's no reason to bicker at each other, work together. We're all on the same team. And just like you said, it's not always about stacking birds. I've had more fun on days where, you know, we've, we've shot a couple birds, but we're just out there BSing, drinking yeah. coffee, eating snacks, cooking food. You know, you work with some guys, you're, you know, this guy gets better on the call or this guy. I mean, you just tell story, and yeah. that's so much fun. So we got so much stuff coming against us. Don't don't yeah. bicker There's, at one another. There's no reason yeah. to be angry about it. No, no need to. I mean, it really it's it's the side of hunting that makes zero sense to me. Of I can't be happy for that person because they're doing better than me. You know, and not that I I get jealous and envious a lot of times because I'll be at work and I'll see people with grip and grin pictures and I'm just wishing I was out mm-hmm. there. But you know, heck, it, it's it's just hunting. You know, at the end of the day, it's 
it's a hobby. It's not an occupation. It, whether you're guiding, mm-hmm. it's an occupation if you guide, and that's a different story. But if you're just a duck hunter and want to go hunt, just go enjoy yourself. And I will, I will also add to that that there's been times on social media especially, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you, you see something you're like, man, he's always stacking birds, whatever. But if you reach out and you throw positive feedback out there or congratulate somebody, mm-hmm. you know, the more often you can do that, every time you see a stack of birds, hey, great job, guys, whatever, sure. you comment, leave positive um, comments, yeah. people are going to be like, okay, this guy's pretty cool. Maybe he wants to come hunting with us. Or maybe, you know, that's a foot in the door too. So what you normally positivity see is, instead of negativity, yeah. and you're yeah. more likely to get some yeah. invites yeah. too. Yeah, what we, you we normally see, see is that. shot a hand? Yeah. Oh, they're baiting or they're doing this or I would never hunt with, it's like, you don't know any of that. Just quit doing that. Like, yeah. Yeah, let's quit throwing darts at each other. We're mm-hmm. hunting. Be happy for each other. Just go hunting. Yeah. Have fun and wait for the ducks to show up. Positive vibes. Take someone hunting. Is it? And. Go have fun. That's exactly right. And you, you yourself become a much happier hunter. A, a happier person. Yes. Because this is our life. Yeah. This is our life. Just to go out, have fun, go call it some ducks. And every time you go duck hunting with someone else or go duck hunting or any type of hunting, learn something. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's always what I've always wanted to go in with. Yes. I can learn something from anyone. Even when I take someone new, they take, as I guide a lot for all the different like elk and turkeys, and I'm... They'll say, well, why don't we go do this? This is what we do at home for whitetails. Or mm-hmm. I look at them, I go, you know, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you know, well, like this year they, they had this scent stuff to put on. I put it on, I'm like, yeah, this stuff doesn't work. And I put it on, and I'm like, man, it smells pretty good. And then, and then we get out there, and I, had, I was 60 yards from a herd of elk downwind. They didn't bust us. And I, I looked at him, and I said, dude, I said, I have no idea why these elk aren't busting me right now. Mm-hmm. We'll take it. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, just gotta just gotta be open, trying new things, having fun, go new places, and and when you go to your old places, share it with someone. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. I mean, duck meat is, isn't bad by any means, but how much duck meat can you really eat? No one's doing this because they just love the taste of duck meat. Let's just be honest. Yeah. it's good. I I like it just like the next person. But you're doing it because you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I'm just. Don't go against yourself. Just enjoy yourself. (laughs) Just go have fun. Don't complain. Spend less time complaining, more time smiling. And whether you kill one duck or 100,000 ducks, it'll it'll all wash out in the end of it anyway. So to add to your positive vibes, take someone hunting. I'll tell you what else makes you a happy hunter. Dogs. Dogs. So let's talk about dogs. We've got one over here on the floor who's crapped out sleeping. Yep, Max had a long weekend. He spent the weekend here at the uh, Rogers Sport and Good Show. He spent a little time in the truck, in the air conditioner, and uh, hung out on the final stand in Vizlab at the booth. And he's ready to go home. He's uh, He's got a long drive home. Now, this is his first podcast. This is Max's first podcast, yeah. He talks too dang much. That's the problem with him. He just won't quit. Yes. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Now, we hunted with Max yeah. this last year, mm-hmm. and he went back to school this year. What exactly did you, did you do different? Or how old is he? Let's start so a little bit with that. Max turned four in June. Mm-hmm. Or ju- June. I'm a bad dog owner. June 16th, to be exact. He... Uh, so last year was his first real season duck hunting. Um, I'd hunted him a couple times um, when he was a two-year-old. And, um, of course, he's been in school with Jimmy Rogers up at Mallard Run. And, and he's a great dog. But last year we, we fought tooth and nail for him. I wanted to get as many birds for him as possible. And, you know, all those ribbons are great. But, you know, he needs to be a duck hunter. So he, How many he, birds did he end up with last year? Just over 300. You know, we really struggled. And, and um, right before you guys got there at the Higgin Farm, right the last couple of weeks of July, uh, July, January, were really tough. We had several two, three, four bird days, 10 hours at the Higdon Farm sitting next to a tree, just me, him, and, and, and Bo a lot of times. And we had a really hard time getting to about 140. And then 
the, the switch flipped. We got a cold front, and we got about 200 real quick, and, and I got invited to go uh, go host an episode of Drake's Migration Nation here in near Pleasant Hill, and uh, picked up 100 or so Canada's inspects. That's and crazy. Got to 300, and I mean, it just worked out. It was like good karma was coming mm-hmm. back. I mean, and God, if you ever meet Max, anybody listen to this, he's the goofiest dang dog you've ever seen. <laughs> he is a handful. He is He's half kangaroo, half dog, half lion, and... Um, he, he's a lot. He really tests my patience, and I put up with a lot last year and uh, went sent him back to school after season and got his last couple master passes and got his uh, HRCH title, so he's qualified for Master Nationals, qualified for the Grand. He goes back to school in two days for about a month. Does he'll he get, know it yet? No. Honestly, I think he likes it better there than at my house. He, you know, <laughs> I always I always tell his trainer, Jimmy, I'm just stepdad. But he's starting, he's starting to come around. You know, after yeah. three years of owning him, he, uh, you know, he's starting to come around, but He'll go, he'll go back to school for a month and go run Master Nationals, and um, he'll be up in Saskatchewan, hopefully, and we'll go hunt in October, and he'll, he'll be home forever, you know. Nice. So he's he's done, but he's a good dog. We're yeah. we're, we're excited to – me and Jenna, see, we, we're, my girlfriend and I, we're excited to have a good dog. Mm-hmm. And uh, as me as a hunter, you know, with what we do, I don't see how people like to hunt without a dog. I mean, uh, me and Bo were talking about this on the way up here. It's like I could never shoot another duck again, and I'd be just fine with it. But I'm not going to quit calling at birds. I'm not going to ever um, not have that desire to see birds tell me that I've won. Mm-hmm. You're about to die, and whether I shoot or not is because of something I did. It's awesome. It's just gratifying. Even if they're not killed, it's just manipulating them, getting them there. And when they are killed, having a dog, that comes second to me. Shooting comes third. Mm-hmm. So calling, dog, and then you know, actually shooting them. But it's so fun to watch a good dog work. Dang it. You know, it's, it's just... Those dogs live for it. You can feel the passion. They're they're antsy. A good dog, one that listens, is a pleasure to have in the blind. It's like having a buddy who's a crack shot and just never misses. It's just, oh my goodness, you know, this is how nice is that? Or how excited can you be for another creature or person? And and having a dog as a waterfowler, it's, I mean, heck, if if you duck hunt your whole life and never own a dog and never and never get to feel that and experience that i mean heck they're your buddy and, oh you yeah know, they they depend on you to actually be able to do their job so you can't let them down and uh when you get to watch them and, and you see your dog become successful to you uh with you through your success it's pretty dang gratifying it's it's hard to beat yeah. definitely is now i've noticed you've posted some you know videos and stuff of you working with max sure. um, when he's back from school mm-hmm. what kind of stuff have you been working on with him yeah so basic stuff so pretty much my uh my trainer, Jimmy, I got him back about a month ago, and he said, Brooke, he's got to run. And, you know, I mean, the Super Bowl of dog stuff, Master Nationals, the Grand, that whole thing. It's like, so don't do anything too crazy. He's like, but keep him keep him up and running and don't do any blinds over 100 yards and, you know, just keep him sharp. So the, the things that I'm doing that I've posted on my Instagram, you know, it's just a lot of it's just getting him relating to hunting situations again. Like we're going to be up in Saskatchewan hunting, and, and I hope he comes, and, and if he's there, We've been running out of Fieldhouse LP. It's just a field layout blind, or field layout blind for a dog, I should say. And it's just putting him in that scenario of running out of that blind, coming in and out. And, and he's done it before. It's just working on little things. And, you know, the daily stuff you do with the dog, and Max is a high-energy dog, and, and he needs, you know, energy burned every day. And I'll run him 30 minutes to an hour every single day uh, after work. And if you don't use it, you lose it isn't really the appropriate term. But, you know, the more time you put in with an animal like that, you know, the, the less you're going to have to deal with down the road. So mm-hmm. the things that I'm doing, the videos I'm posting, a lot of it's for, for him and a lot of it's for me too. Me and him are building confidence. We're getting comfortable with products, just simple marks, 
you know, simple obedience and just, you know, you're sitting, okay, you don't break, okay, you know where to come, okay, give me the bumper, great, good dog. Let's do that a few thousand times together and, you know, we'll, we'll keep working on it as we kill ducks and, you know, heck, that's, that's what makes a good dog, just repetition, just it, practice it, like you play. It's a relationship. Like even with my dog, you know, should we take her hunting? And it's just a, it's a relationship with her mm-hmm. and I, you know, I know what she's going to do and she knows what I want her to do and I expect of her. But Brooke is, he just makes it into a routine. He comes home, lets Max out. He's very OCD. So he's, he's, yeah, I'm pretty sure he has it written <laughs> on the, out of the wall. Bed. It's bad. Yeah. So, so we come home and he takes him out, puts him on that Fieldhouse LP or Invisalab or our final stand. He's got it all set up in the yard. It's, pr- it's pretty cool. But he works with them every day. Make sure that, and it's and, and that's the relationship he's building with Max. And like me with my dog, Sage, it's the same thing. She goes everywhere with me. And I've got her to do pick up sheds now. And when we go duck hunting, it's just, it's as soon as you build that relationship with your dog, I feel like they're, uh, they trust you and, you know, you'll have, they'll, work better for you Mm -hmm. i mean yeah there's there's just so many times um and and having guided in the past you know everybody who's going to hear this has heard that it's hey you know i'm a customer booking hunt with you can i bring my dog the field champion or it's great you know sure you know your hunt your dog do your thing no big deal and then you just you see anybody who's hearing this you see people mad at their dogs when they're they're hunting they're yelling at their dogs they're beating their dogs they're ruining the hunt the dog won't come back uh for for what i do and, and and in the industry I'm in, you know, whether it's filming the TV show or, or hunting with big groups of people or heck, just hunting by myself. If, if I can prevent the frustration during hunting season with a dog by just working my dog 30 minutes a day and doing it right and building a bond, that's the easiest dang decision ever, you know, yeah. and, and trust me, Max needs it. He's just so high energy. He's hard headed. He's goofy. It's going to make him a better dog, but you know, also it's going to prevent, it's going to prevent him from having to be left behind in the future. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's he's had a lot of schooling, which turns into a lot of money. And, you know, a lot of time has been invested in this dog. And I want him to be successful, and I care about his success. And truth be told, with what I do and, and the people I hunt with and, and what we do for a living, I don't have time for a dog that I have to yell at. I don't have time for a dog that breaks. I still love him. But if he turns into that dog, he's not going to have a place in a blind with me a lot of times. So mm-hmm. the more time I can put in right now and uh, make my hunts more enjoyable with him in the future, by God, I mean – do it three hours a day if I really had to. There's, you get in what you put. I mean, you get out what you put in. Is all there is to mm-hmm. it. I think this is the calmest I've ever seen him. I'm, I'm going to start mocking podcasts at home. He's actually <laughs> exactly. laying on the floor. He's he's a registered service dog, so he's allowed in the Hampton Inn. Yeah. But we're in the meeting room, and he's laying on the floor by the door, making sure no one attacks us. And his eyes are rolled back in his head. He never does this. He does not just lay down and be calm. Normally, I've ever yeah. seen him like that. Yeah. He's something might be wrong, but he's breathing, so it's okay. But I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna get fake podcast headphones and everything at home, and that's how we're gonna communicate my household from now on. Yeah. So Max can just lay there and you know do. His I've been thing. saying we need walkie talkies anyway, so you know this. Is <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh man. And the 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 old saying, "Life is better with the dog," is true. Yeah, that is 100 percent fact. Tell my girlfriend that she has two cats, and Jesus Christ, you should see <laughs> Max and Max and the cats. It's yeah. It's uh, if y'all want to play side bets on. You said cats, and he got a little wound up. Meow. Oh, yep. no. There he Uh-oh. is. <laughs> no, they get along, but uh, my girlfriend my girlfriend has a, a couple cats, and uh, I don't think, I don't honestly don't think he wants to hurt them, but when they run away, when they get scared, uh, he, he's 
I don't think he would, I don't know if he'd do anything. He he's, just runs after him. He's pretty well trained to chase things that run away from him, and <laughs> yeah. it's really scary in our house. I mean, I'll walk in the room, and there's a cat halfway up the curtain, and Max is just sitting there with a smile on his face. <laughs> like, one day, I hope it never happens, but, you know, one day I hope he doesn't bring me back a cat. But, <laughs> but hey. But, yeah, life, life is much better with dogs, as long as you don't have two cats. But I'd still pick the dog. Just, I hope my girlfriend doesn't hear yeah. this. Oh. Well, <laughs> while I've got you guys here, I, I would... I, I got to take advantage of it. What's new sure. with um, the Higdon decoys this year? Sure. So we've got the um, the Apex, you know, full size, full body line is, is is a big one. The Apex full size Canada's are, are one we've worked on for a while. We've had a lot of guys um, asking us. Some great customers just wanted a one piece Canada Goose decoy, and uh, that's been in the works for a while. And we spent a lot of time uh, getting the appropriate carvings, making sure they were right. And with that, we we wanted to make a better stake and motion cone system in our full bodies and we did that so that's where the the, the name apex comes from it's got uh, more detail in the carvings but uh, better carvings one piece design and they've got the motion cone system they come with stakes and they move very very well we hunted with them last year and just the slightest breeze of wind and they're just doing their thing and um, apex canada's are great and they're also going to be um, that motion cone system is going to be introduced to the rest of our full body, so that's on the turkeys. If, if you own any of our turkey decoys from last year, it's the same system, um, but now in the waterfowl stuff. So full body ducks, uh, your full body specks, snows, blues, even the alpha candidas, the bigger candidas, um, have actually been uh, uh, revised. They no longer have the feet. They have the peg legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to do that because we put that motion cone system in the alphas, and it wouldn't have really worked out well with that motion. They'd have made a little bit too much noise, but that's that's really it on the waterfowl side, just uh constantly working on improving current products and mm-hmm. nothing really uh new great and flashy just improving on what we know works just a few new carvings the standard mallards or new carvings the uh, standard bluebill redheads are new carvings new magnum goose butt floaters those are new carvings new pulsator carvings on some of the some of the decoys the pintail and the mallard drake um, but really just doubling down on what works and, and making improvements one by one and making one one customer happy at a time that's what Absolutely. that's what we're doing just one foot in front of the other. Anything new on the Momar side? Uh, nothing new on the Momar side uh, this year. Uh, it's a pretty solid line. We've got a, a, some really cool stuff in the works. I think this time next year we have this conversation. There'll be a lot more to talk about. But uh, we've got some really, really cool stuff that we're working on. Just can't quite talk about it yet. Um, but, no, the Momar stuff's, you know, really good. It, it, oh, yeah. Invisalab, Invisaman, Invisalay, Final st- the ramps. I mean, all of them. It's just such a solid product mm-hmm. line. Uh, the folks at Mo Marsh, Ira, Joe, and Josh. You know, before we Higdon acquired Mo Marsh, um, we didn't buy it to make products that were better than those per se. We 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 wanted Mo Marsh because the products were so dang good already, and we believed in them as hunters, and we knew other hunters would see it, and they're great. And we're just same thing, you know, improving little things, um, just re- improving the durability of them where where we see fit, where that needs to happen, just making hunters happy with the current products by making small changes to uh, quality and, and better experience with it. Um, but yeah, man, it's the Momar stuff is awesome. It, we hunted with, with Invisimans dang near all year last year with the TV show. And it's just so hard to believe that some people, I know duck hunters and, and hunters in general have a need for these products. It's like, well, let's go hunt where the ducks want to be. That's what this product line is. If you want to go hunt where ducks are, whether it's a layout boat or, you know, a blind that can hunt water or your dog needs a blind that it stays dry and happy in, these products in the Momarsh line are made to help you kill more ducks and make it dang easy doing it to hide and to do it comfortably. Mm-hmm. And it's a, 
it's a dang solid product line. Hats off to Ira and, and his team over at Momarsh for getting it to the point it's at. It's it's really solid. A lot of thought. A lot of thought put into these products. I mean, you yeah. like, man, they were think made about by, this. They and were made like, by oh, hunters. Wow, it's right there. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know. Yeah, it's just, oh, gosh. I mean, it's like the Pulsator, right? I mean, yeah, there's some things that you could tweak or whatever, and you do those things, right? You make them better. But as far as redesigning the wheel on the Momarsh product line, I mean, it, it's sound. I mean, it, it's it's pretty hard to improve on things. Not that they're perfect, but um, it's pretty hard to improve on a product line that's that stout. But we found a few few holes in it and a few few products that fit well with the Momarsh line that we're working on. And uh, we're going to come up with some new products here in the next, next year exciting. or so. Oh, gosh. I can't wait. You, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's gonna be good. So we've talked a little bit about the ignition from power calls, and mm -hmm. I know both. There was a few new little tweaks on some turkey diaphragm calls. I don't know if you can talk about them yet, but I, I saw some new stuff. But mm -hmm. now, uh, Bo's Bo's been prototyping some new diaphragm calls, and uh, we've got we've got a few of them. Um, we'll probably introduce them. You never know. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. Just, we'll just, just think see. about it. We got plenty of time between now and turkey season, the way I see yeah. it. So. Uh, no, Bo, Bo's got Bo's got a few products in mind. He really wants to bring. He he had a particular call that he he really fell in love with last year. A new cut on a diaphragm call. It's really cool looking. <laughs> I can't run a diaphragm call, but Bo sounds great on it, and, and he really likes it. And he's found a few people that he's made them for that that really like it. So um, I'm sure we'll introduce it. You know, it, it'll happen. And Bo's also working on a couple of different calls that are in in a few different species categories for us that uh, probably shouldn't talk about, but. Okay. When, when you hear this, you'll probably be seen at the same time, and you'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> no, they're they're good. They're for 2019 or 2020. Uh, I don't know. Probably 2020 is probably when it'll be. Maybe maybe, mm -hmm. maybe 2019. You'll you'll see some stuff uh, later in the year, of course. But uh, it'll be geared towards 2020. You know. So um, just just another everything, day. Everything takes time, man. Yeah, that's that's, a, that's what we do. We, you know, just want to make sure it's right. At Higdon yeah. in general, Higdon Power Calls, Mo Marsh. You know, it's. What we do is we make outdoor products for hunters and, you know, not necessarily hunters, but callers and hunters and dog trainers and caller, the whole thing. So it's when we've got enough demand and people, you know, bring things to our attention, hey, it'd be really nice to have this or there's a true demand for a new product or a new call or a new anything. You know, that's what we do. So we listen to it and gather mm -hmm. the chips up and say, yep, we'd be foolish not to put that idea or put that improvement into our products. And that's always happening, you know, so we... We, we love honest people. Yeah. That's what we like. When people oh, come yeah. to us with on, honest opinions. Yeah. And they, they come with them and they say, hey, here's how you can improve it or here's what you should make to solve this problem hunters have. And uh, just keep track of how many times it comes in and, and so. really start raising awareness. And yep. new calls come out, new blinds come out, new dog products come out, new decoys come out. That's, that's where it all comes from. Everything just takes a little bit of time, unfortunately, to get it right. You know, you just got to take your time and do it right and... Mm -hmm. And uh, that's that's really where we are right now. We've got a really solid product line across all the brands, and, and we're really um, there was a point where we were making a lot of new products and, and really spreading out. But right now, you know, we are growing. We're getting bigger, and it's uh, it's focusing on making sure all of our products are 100% and making sure they're all good, and you know, reducing those numbers of phone calls we get about issues. And I mean, heck, we're hunters too. We, we hate getting phone calls from somebody in the field, man. I, Got this thing, and you know, it's really important to me on this hunt that it works. How can I get it working? I mean, that's what we aim to stop. Or, well, yeah, you feel their pain, literally. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, on both sides. I'm yeah. well, for one, I'm at the office. They're hunting. I'm not. So you dang yeah. you don't feel bad for them. But the other side, you know, they spent good money on that, and every dollar, you know, as a duck hunter, you know, every dollar you spend, you, you need to get your money's worth. Mm -hmm. And we really care about that. So 
uh, that's just really where our focus is right now as a company is making sure the products we have and the products we're coming out with are sound, they're great for the people using them, and they're advantageous to people using them. We want people to see, we want to see people with smiles in our products in their hands. That's, that's the name of the game. And uh, I mean, heck, not like we have a, you know, we have a problem with any of our products. Every, every product does, and duck hunters are tough on stuff, but I mean, nothing's ever perfect. We're just making everything better. That's, that's the name of the game over at, over at Higdon and Power Calls and Mo Marsh. It's if you're only as good as your weakest link. So we were searching for weak links and making sure they're gone forever and getting it better. Mm -hmm. Just one thing at a time. Well, it looks like we're approaching a little over an hour here. So, sure. Bo, final thoughts. Hey, man. Go have fun. Good vibes. Take someone hunting. <laughs> mm -hmm. Take a dog. <laughs> yeah. I think we, we had, but no, I, overall, man, just have fun this season, man. It's, we, only, we only live once on this earth, and we've got a lot of great opportunities and a lot of great people to do it with. So, I mean, I just, just can't say enough good things about our industry. Let's go out there and let's have fun. For sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's gonna be a, I think it's going to be a good year. You know, I'm, I'm an optimist. Everybody knows mm -hmm. that. You know, duck season's coming quick. And uh, there's a lot of great products out there. There's a lot of great people out there. There's a lot of great places out there. I mean, heck, just go enjoy it. You know, it's life's short, like Bo was saying. And uh, don't get caught up in the hustle and bustle. Don't worry about what duck, duck season's going to be like six months from now. Just uh, just get prepared, you know, heck. Just plan for the worst, hope for the best, and be happy, enjoy it. And if it's looking good, stay home, watch some Higgin Outdoors television, and drink <laughs> cold beer, you know, yeah. heck. <laughs> life goes on, you know, heck. I just, uh, I just hope everybody has a good season and stays safe. And uh, I think, I mean, heck, it can only get better from here, right? It's been a pretty tough few years, and... Uh, we'll get better, you know. There's, there's always hope. There's there's ducks. They're alive. They're there. It's hot. Hopefully it gets cold. We've got a few months to uh, let this water go down that's in all these rivers, and it'll be what it'll be. No need to complain about it. So nope. let's, just, uh, let's just gear up, go have a good season, kill some ducks. Life's good. That We'll end it on that. Life is good. That's Perfect. absolutely right. Thanks a lot, guys. Not a problem at all. Thanks for having us.